So as Fiona said, I'm going to read John 9, 1 to 7. As he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. As long as it is day, we must do the works of him he sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. After saying this, he spat on the ground, made some mud with the saliva and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. This word means scent. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. Um, so you've been focusing on the seven signs, and today we're concluding by exploring Jesus's healing of a man born blind. And just a question for you to discuss with those around you. Um, if you've been here during this teaching series, or perhaps if you just recall the signs themselves. Looking back, which of the signs have particularly struck and spoke to you? Why? Looking back, which of the signs have particularly struck you and spoke to you? Why? Just have a quick chat with those around you. Looking back, which of the signs have particularly struck you and spoke to you and why? So in 2.11, John says that the point of the signs is they reveal Jesus' glory and produce faith in us. As John the Baptist, the signs point to Jesus and his identity as the Son of God. The gospel as a whole beckons us into deeper faith and belief. The kind of belief that means knowing the truth and the freedom that this truth brings. So getting back to the story, we hear that the disciples asked Jesus if the man was born blind because of his sins or his family's sins. The Jewish disciples and the Pharisees presume a link between disability and past sin, seeing then that the man's disability is most likely a punishment. In Job, his friend assumed the same regarding his suffering. Tom Wright, um, he's a New Testament scholar, tells of a public figure who, in charge of the English national football team, was dismissed because he claimed that people who suffer from birth defects and disabilities were being punished for sins that they had committed in the past and actually a former life. As someone with a disability, I find this assumption odd and annoying. Jesus is very clear that this is not the case. Being born blind does not mean you or your family have sinned, says Jesus. So when things have got tough, when we have gone through times of real struggle, have we ever had the thought, is God punishing me for something I did wrong? Do you ask, what have I done to deserve this? 
We want to make sense of things, and sometimes it's easier to assign blame even to ourselves. Blaming other people when they are in challenging circumstances can make it easier for us to avoid them, avoid them, to not have to be with them in their suffering or for them. It's easier for us to get on with our own lives, to avoid the homeless, the unhappy, those who are different from us. People who people were actually blind to this man. They chose not to see him, to remain in darkness. And we need to be careful that we don't become blind to those around us too. And in doing so, being blind to Jesus. Jesus said, I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes and you didn't clothe me. I was sick and in prison and you didn't look after me. So just a question again to chat with these around you. Are there people we might be blind to? Are there people we need to prayerfully and practically pay more attention to? So again, are there people we might be blind to? Are there people we need to prayerfully and practically pay more attention to? Just have a quick chat. Thank you. And as I was considering this myself, um, I was thinking that it's, it's quite easy to be blind sometimes to um, the quiet voices, um, those who experience domestic violence, um, abuse, those who suffer trafficking, um, perhaps it's um, we're asked to to seek them to listen to their voices um, closer um, and to, to listen more closely what's happening in their lives and um, um, their calls for prayer Jesus was eager to heal and bring light. He moved so that his deeds could be revealed and evident in the man born blind. His healing brought him faith. Jesus enabled him to see the truth in the world, to see what God was doing, involved in God's community on the inside, not the outside. Through the chaos, brokenness and the darkness, God is making all things new. He's restoring peace, God's shalom, in our communities and the world. We are created so that Jesus' works might be revealed in all of us and through us. When Jesus heals the blind man, Jesus shows what he is doing, the mission, his mission in the world for his community, the church, and the mission which he expects us to participate with renewal, reconciliation, and restoration. Then Jesus proclaims, Well, I am here in the world. I am the light of the world. Through his healing of the man born blind, he gives us hope and a foretaste of what is to come. His new creation. When Jesus heals, the truth of God and the theology and history of life come rushing together. Jesus is the true light coming into the world. 
1.4, and he brought with him the truth about God and about humanity. He comes both as the light and the judge. The light guides and shows, us, shows up those who are not living out truth, and in this case, it's the Pharisees. They create chaos, shake up God's shalom, and refuse to face Jesus with humility. Jesus knows that when he dies, the world will be in darkness, but for now, he's bringing light and healing. So we're coming up to Lent, and we can look forward to Easter Day when Jesus brings in this new creation. Through Jesus, we are made new. His grace extended to us and reconciled with him invited to participate in this project of justice, mercy, grace, renewal through his strength. We, too, are called to be the light of the world, Matthew 5, 14 to 16. Now, we are told that Jesus made mud with his saliva and then spread it on the man's eyes. And it is this which offends the Pharisees because the act of kneading on a Sabbath wasn't allowed, as well as 38 other things. You could not cut your fingernails, pluck a hair from your head or beard. You couldn't wear sandals which had a sole, a sole nail to them. Woven sandals were okay, but if they had nails in them, then each time you lifted your foot, it was counted as work. It sounds a, a, like a lot to keep track of. The verb put on translates to anoint. Anointing with special substances was not allowed on the Sabbath, as it was connected to healing activities. Jesus was certainly ruffling the feathers of the religious leaders of the Pharisees, but didn't he care? Not at all, because he was the fulfillment of the law. The fulfillment of the law is love, and he was doing a new thing. It's interesting and ironic that in Deuteronomy 5, part of the main reason for keeping the Sabbath was so that those who usually get overlooked and ignored can be seen. Sabbath was meant to be the one day of the week during which the rest of the people are not too busy to see, to really see the children, the slaves, the aliens and the sick. The Pharisees and everyone else are blind to this man, and so they are blind to Jesus too. They do not truly see him. And Jesus told the man to wash his eyes in the river, and he did so in faith. The man believed, and he could see. Jesus gives him sight to see the truth and confirms himself as the light of the world. It's okay if we feel weak um, and if we struggle. In our weakness, God is strong, and he extends grace to us. But if we feel we declare ourselves, if we feel and we declare ourselves better and holier than others, like the Pharisees, then we are blind to the truth of things. The Pharisees have refused to recognize this man and his need. They have refused to extend welcome and compassion to him. The Pharisees have lost out themselves because they didn't include him. All are welcome to be in relationship with God. Sin in John's gospel means cutting yourself off from this relationship 
for removing yourself from others. We cut off, cut off ourselves from God's peace by declaring that we are good and holy. God invites us to come to him in humility like a child. He desires to heal and to restore. So um, before we conclude, I have a few discussion questions um, up on screen this time. Um, what does the story say to you about people? What does this story say to you about Jesus? And what does this story have to say about you? And um, just think about them, these things uh, on your own or have a chat to those around you. So as we continue to go and continue our week, let's reflect and hold on to God's words. Um, look around you, read the local paper, and ask yourself who is in prayerful and practical need of God's provision, compassion, grace, and mercy. Let's reflect on the assumptions we make about people. Are we open to exploring them more, to breaking them down? Do you feel brokenness? Try and give that to God this week. Or do you feel like you've got things all together? Give that to God too. Jesus performed this miracle and declared that he was the light of the world. He reveals truth and the things which are disrupting God's shalom. He helps us to see what he sees, what he is doing in our communities. Let's remember our call to be the light of the world too. And N.T. Wright says, if I can read my writing, having beheld his glory, we must then reveal his glory, glory as of the beloved children of the Father, full of grace and truth. And I'll just pray for us. Father God, thank you for the light and healing that you have brought to a dark and hurting world. Would we be passionate about seeing what you see, the kind of sight you can only give? Amen.